Today we begin our player previews. We're going to start by talking about the catchers for the Detroit Tigers in 2024. All today on Locked On Tigers. You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Friday, February 9th, 2024. Thank you so much for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can join today and get $200 in bonus bets, if your first bet of $5 or more wins, just visit FanDuel.com slash on to get started. All righty. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you're having a fantastic week. Uh, end of the week here. Happy Friday to all. Some nice weather in the uh, in the Detroit area on Thursday. Hopefully that can last through the weekend. Uh, we are going to start our player previews today, and we're going to start with catchers. So we have Jake Rogers will be where a majority of the conversation is had just because he is the starter. Uh, but really, I don't think it's a platoon situation at all. We'll get into all of that. I think this is just straight up. Uh, Jake Rogers is going to be the starter of this uh, this baseball team behind the dish. Carson Kelly, we'll talk plenty about him. How long is his leash if he doesn't hit, right? Like how long are they going to stick with him if he continues to have uh, as poor of offensive numbers as he kind of did last season? And then we'll obviously talk about Dylan Dingler, the only other catcher on the 40-man roster, kind of where he fits in to everything as well. But I think catcher is a position, goodness, where we are able to do our player previews positionally, right? Because we have, the catchers are only catchers for the most part, especially in today's day and age of baseball. So we can kind of knock out three guys on the 40-man roster all in one conversation. We're going to talk about ceilings and floors of these guys, especially Jake Rogers, obviously. Uh, I think it's it's pretty, uh, I guess impossible might be the word to, you know, predict an exact stat line for anybody. So I want to give a gauge on, on what I think the higher end of his uh, 2024 season can be and also the low end. I think there's still... Uh, some volatility there. So we'll talk about that. Uh, and then kind of just my expectations. That'll be the closest thing to, you know, like this level of production is what I would consider a successful season. So we'll talk about kind of what I'm expecting out of Rodgers and everybody in the catching room. Okay. So without further ado, let's get ready. I'm so happy to be doing this. We're actually just talking about 2024 and talking about the upcoming season. Pitchers and catchers report next week. Uh, we uh, we are almost back. We're almost back, and I'm just so thrilled and happy and excited to be having conversations about the 2024 Detroit Tigers again, uh, or for the first time, I guess. Uh, it's it's very very exciting. It's almost that time of year, baby. So uh, let's get into it. Jake Rogers last season had a 2.21 average, a 2.86 OBP, a 4.44 slug. He had 21 home runs in just 107 games. That's 365 plate appearances. Had 49 RBIs, a 7.7% walk rate, a 32.3% K rate. Uh, what other stats can I throw at you? A 2.24 ISO, 2.68 BABIP, really low, but that's the kind of hitter he is. Uh, that's a 97 WRC plus, so they have him as 3% worse than league average in weighted runs created. Uh, overall, that is a 2.2 2 
F4. Uh, for most positions here, we're going to use Fangraphs more. Fangraphs war. There may be uh, a couple of positions where I switch it up, but I prefer Fangraphs, and that's you know to each their own. If you prefer Baseball Reference, then more power to you. Um, but uh, for this show, we're going to spend most of the time for mo- a majority of positions talking about Fangraphs war, especially for catcher. I think that it's just flat out better. So um, that is the stat line that we have for Jake Rogers, his age 28 season in 2023. Uh, In 2021, he had a one-war season in just 38 games uh, and had almost a 500 slug. A little bit better offensive numbers, but again, significantly smaller sample size. That OPS last year was 730, uh, and his career OPS is now 694. Uh, but again, only about 30 games played, 35 games played in 2019, didn't play in 2020, 38 games played in 2021, didn't play in 2022, now uh, 2023 back for hundred over 100 games. So majority of that uh, sample size obviously coming this past year. Jakey Rogers, I love. Uh, I think that he is the starting catcher of this team until proven otherwise. I, I don't want to get that misconstrued either, though, that I think that Jake Rogers is just like guaranteed the catcher for the next like five to seven years. I think there's still some things I want to see him prove before I am uh, just completely not even thinking about catcher of the future. Right. Uh, But for right now, it's without a doubt in my mind and I'm a huge fan of his. And I do also not want to get it twisted and misconstrued that I do think it is possible for him to be the catcher of the future. I I don't I, I just Uh, There's more I want to see before I proclaim either direction, but I absolutely think that he has the ceiling to be able to do that. And I think we can, I I guess we can just transition and start with the profile and this type of player that he is. You know, you see this 730 OPS here. That's around league average last year. Again, was 3% worth worse rather goodness uh, in, in weighted runs created. Uh, he is a big swinger. He has got that big uppercut swing uh, to untap into some pull side power. He did hit one, two, three, four, five opposite field home runs last year, which if you would have asked me and I didn't do any show prep and just like didn't really care about my job, I guess, and just like showed up and, and didn't do any research or anything, I would have told you that I can like remember two of them. Um, I wouldn't have even told you that it was five of his uh, 21 home runs, but a vast majority of his power is pull side because of that big uppercut swing that he has. And also his preference in hitting fastballs ahead of any other pitch. That's a big thing with him. Uh, fastballs, 200 average. Actually, let's go specific pitches, not pitch groups. I think that gives us a little bit of a better insight here. So four seam fastballs. He hit 243 with a 570 slug and only, I say, a 27 and a half whiff rate. Um, the reason why I'm saying only there is because that is pretty comfortably less than a lot of these off-speed pitches that get pretty high pretty quickly. Um, but it's almost a 60% hard hit rate against four seam fastballs. He crushes heaters, okay? He crushes them. He crushes uh, really any variation He's going to have a low batting average um, really uh, across any type of pitch, which I think, again, is just the type of player that he is. Um, But he's going to have a high slug, 462 slug against sinkers. Um, I guess sinker is kind of grouped into two-seam fastball these days. That's kind of the only two you're going to get there. But um, And didn't face very many splitters if you think that that is a type of fastball. But 
really very good hard hit rates, very good slugging percentages against four seamers and sinkers, just low batting averages against everything. Uh, the type of player that he is, he is a, uh, again, that big uppercut swing. It leads to a lot of swing and miss. Uh, that is no secret to anybody. He was in the fifth percentile in K rate last year, 32.3% K rate, bottom 5% of the league. He was in the 15th percentile in whiff rate, over 31, almost 32% of his swings were swings and misses. That is in the bottom 15% of the league. But the give and take of that is he was he was in the 95th percentile in sweet spot percentage, 84th in chase rate, and almost a league average walk rate. We'll talk about that a little bit more on the other side of the break. 73rd percentile in hard hit, 78th in barrel percentage, 71st in average exit velo, 68th in slug. So or an expected slug, rather. So he's going to have a low batting average always. He's going to have high K numbers always. But if he can keep tapping into the power and become a consistent 20 to 25 home run hitter, that does one other thing is what I really want him to improve on. I think that he could actually be a not only a, a valuable catcher, which we'll talk about the other side, and we'll talk about his defense here on the other side of the break as well, but a, a valuable hitter specifically, an above-league average hitter, there's one thing I just wanted to see him improve on offensively. I don't even care about the rest. We'll get into that right after I tell you all about our friends over at Ibotta. Ibotta is really, I want to call it clutch. Uh, it's officially soup season, and you can make sure that you get all the ingredients you need to master your recipe while getting cash back on all your purchases with Ibotta. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries, beauty supplies, toys, so you can make sure that you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. The average Ibotta user earns $145 a year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, buy you that flight you've been eyeing, that game you're dying to go to, or that fancy dinner you've been craving. Other apps give you points that don't really amount to too much. With Ibotta, you can just add offers to your app, upload your receipt, and you'll get real cash that you can cash out into your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. So join over 50 million savers and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and big retailers, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta and using code LOCKDOWNMLB, all one word, when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and start earning cash and use code LOCKDOWNMLB. I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code Locked on MLB. All right, everybody. Welcome back here. Segment two of Locked on Tigers. Appreciate y'all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back on Monday with a mailbag. Ask away. Ask all of the questions. You can tweet at me if you want your questions to be public. You can DM me. My DMs are open uh, for better or for worse. Um, you can you can DM me there and I will see them and I can read them. Or you can just, if you're watching on YouTube, just put the question in the comment section of this episode and I will get to all of them at the beginning of next week. We will at least take Monday if we get a boatload of questions. We may even take Monday and Tuesday. Uh, but that is the schedule for the rest of the spring, really. Well, that's not even remotely true. The schedule for the rest of spring 
We're going to talk about uh, spring training, obviously, when that rolls around in games that are being played. Also, I have that on the itinerary here if you're watching on YouTube. Can we grow up? Can we start televising spring training baseball games? What is the deal, dog? It, it, it's mind-boggling to me. We're, we're televising like six spring training games. It's 2024. My goodness. Um, anyway, that's just a gripe I have, and it bothers me as someone who would very greatly benefit from, like, job-wise, if I could actually watch all the freaking games. Um, so anyway, moving on, though. Uh, so we're going to talk about spring training. When news comes up and discussions come up, we will take, uh, you know, the an episode and talk about those things. But we're going to spend a lot of time doing these previews as well. So they won't all be in a row. Again, there will be mixing and matching depending on uh, the, the current news of the day. But if there's no news to talk about that day, we're just going to keep these player previews ahead. But again, Monday's episode, it definitely a mailbag. So ask away. Uh, again, focusing more on 2024, but if you have, you know, final questions on the off season, feel free as well. Um, so Jake Rogers, the one thing I want to see him take a step forward on offensively this year is raise the walk numbers. I can live with striking out at an absurdly high rate. If it is at the result of, and having a low batting average and whatnot, if it's at, if it's, um, what's the phrase I'm thinking of? My mind just went completely blank. If it's like the, at the, not the cost, the opposite of that. If it's whatever, I'm okay with that. If he is walking more and he didn't walk, you know, like never last year, he was in the 40th percentile, 39th percentile. He had a 7.7% walk rate. That's just a hair below league average in the eights. Right. So he, he has the ability and his chase rate was really good. 22.6% chase rate was in the top 16% in the entire game of baseball. So this is a guy that absolutely has the ability to draw more walks. Um, I'm okay if you strike out over 30% of the time, if you hit over 20 homers and walk a lot more, right? Like I, I would, I would think that Jake Rogers was hundred percent slam dunk, the catcher of the future. No questions asked if he went out there this year and had a 300 OBP, with or better, right? 286 OBP is just a little too low for me. Um, so if if you're not going to raise the average and you're going to strike out a lot, I need you to walk a little bit more. And I think he has the ability to, which is why I'm putting it on him. I don't think he has the ability to hit 280, <laughs> which is why I'm not like, hey, he really needs to make adjustments and fix this. That is never going to be Jake Rogers, which is something we'll talk about here in a second as well in terms of ceilings and floors for these guys. So that's something I want to see. The other thing, and this is not something I want to see. This is just something he already is. Um, but something I'm looking at is arm strength. This is something that I talked about with uh, with Mark Gorosh of uh, Days of Roar, which is a great show that him and Evan Petzl of The Freep do. Um, been a guest on there uh, a couple of times. But um, th- one of the, the interesting points that Mark brought up was his arm. You know, pre-Tommy John, his arm was uh, – his arm of value – was very high. And last year, it dipped to being around league average. So maybe with a full offseason, a full year of recovery under his belt, that could be something that pops back up. Um, his his blocks above average, which is a stat by Baseball Savant, eight, which is in the 90th percentile, top 10% in baseball in blocking, top 20% in baseball in framing. He's been a phenomenal pitch framer since the minors. Um, and he had a really good arm when he was coming up. 
This past year wasn't bad. It was league average. He had a minus one caught stealing above average. That is in the 87th percentile. Obviously, zero would be around the 50th percentile there. So if he can get back the arm strength that he had pre-Tommy John as well, um, we're talking about a guy who, and that's the perfect transition into what I think his ceiling could be. That is the ceiling for me. I think we're very close to seeing just the type of player Jake Rogers is. I'm not going to come on here and say that, you know, the the best version of Jake Rogers is somebody who hits 300 and has a 900 OPS and is going to be like a gold glover behind the plate and and is going to be like an eight, like Adley Rutschman. Like that's, that's not ever something he is going to be offensively within his player profile. I think we're very close to his ceiling, but I think there's another gear and that other gear to me is maintaining the power consistency uh, and drawing a few more walks as well as getting that uh, that arm strength back to being uh, legitimate. I, I also think that I would like to see him have a little bit more consistent power against righties, and I think that this year is going to be a huge test for that. Last year, he had an 857 OPS against lefties and a 676 against righties. Now, he still had 12 of his 21 home runs were against righties, but considering he had 150 fewer plate appearances against lefties than righties, to have that home run total be only a three home run difference really shows right how much more power he has on a consistent basis against lefties than righties. So uh, my my big thing are those that's my big three for Jake Rogers. Get the arm strength back to where it was pre Tommy John, or at least close in the conversation. If it's not possible for you to be back to like having a cannon like you did coming through the minors, then so be it. But I think that that's that would be something I would really like to see um, better against righties. Right. Uh, the average, again, never going to expect it to be high. Walk a little bit more and, and just get a little bit more consistent pop out of righties. His slugging percentage against righties last year was sub 400. It was 395. It was just 561 against lefties. So it averaged out to be a pretty solid number at around 440. Um, if he can have a slug, I'm not even asking for much over 400. Right. That's a, if he can just raise it 10 points, get a little bit more consistent with maybe the, the contact against righties. I think you're golden there. And then draw more walks, as I've already said about 50 times now. So I think that's the ceiling for him. And I, and I think that that would be, you know, a three, three and a half win type of catcher, maybe even approaching four war if he plays enough games. I, I think Jake Rogers could really, really, really take off this year. Um, he's a great game caller. Uh, as some, again, I caught my entire life that my obsession with baseball started behind the plate. I love catcher more than anything. And just uh, having someone back there that I am confident in behind the dish defensively and game calling wise is good. I also know that he works a lot with Fetter, who does a lot of the game planning for, you know, attack zones and and, and game to game and, and just season, you know, broader kind of stuff too. Fetter really knows what works and what doesn't. There's a story about, you know, Fetter, handing Carson Kelly just like a bunch of stuff right when he walked in the door and just kind of saying like, you know, here you go. Like you, this is the the rundown on all the pitchers, like figure it out. We'll talk about Kelly here after the break. Um, so that's kind of the ceiling I, I have for Rodgers is being the true, just taking the baton and becoming the catcher of the future for this baseball team, the solidified catcher of the future. The opposite side of that is, uh, is the floor. Of Jake Rogers. And we'll talk about that before we get into the rest of the catching room right after I tell you all about our friends over at FanDuel. 
All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, that's not right, actually. We're talking about FanDuel, not welcome back. Happy Super Bowl to all those who celebrate with America's number one sports book. You can celebrate big time with FanDuel. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about grabbing a seat on the couch, hanging out with friends, going to a fun Super Bowl party on Sunday, and making some really fun bets. Uh, you, There's so many fun bets to bet on in the Super Bowl. It's the most bet on sporting event of the year for a reason. You can do coin toss. You can do Gatorade color. You can. There's so many fun props for Super Bowl Sunday. So get in on all the action. And uh, you can even do more traditional stuff as well. FanDuel obviously has things like who scores the first touchdown, spreads, money lines, totals, and so much more. New customers can also join today and get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of, ML, of MLB, of NFL. Goodness. Welcome back, everybody. Third and final segment here. Got it right that time of Locked On Tigers. Appreciate y'all greatly for tuning in. So we're talking about the catching situation. We're going to finish up Jake Rogers here before we get into uh, the other catchers on this roster and kind of what I expect out of them this upcoming season. Uh, but Jake Rogers was always going to get a majority of the conversation just because he is going to be, the game plan is uh, for him to be the 1A, not even really 1A, 1B, just the flat out starting catcher for this team and playing well over a hundred games. I think if everything goes to plan. So let's talk about the floor. And this is the, the uh, again, like aggressive swing on the other side of the pendulum. So this isn't what I think is going to happen. We'll end the show with expectations for everybody. Um, but Jake Rogers does have a swing and miss issue. And the th again, issue, maybe not the word. It's just this, his profile. He swings and misses a boatload. And if he cannot consistently replicate that power and doesn't get any better in the walk department, his offensive numbers will plummet and they will plummet quickly. Most of his offensive value comes from the power threat. So you have a 730 OPS, right? You're talking a round league average. 444 of that came from slugging percentage. Well below 300 in OBP. And we know that he is, and he's got a career average of 205. It was 221 this past season. You know that that's never going to be a high number for him. So that is the opposite side of the spectrum is the arm just never fully recovers. And again, that doesn't mean it's bad. It means it's about league average um, and it stays there. The, the swing and miss numbers stay where they are, which I expect them to regardless of whether he reaches his ceiling or floor. And that power is just not replicable. That's a word. It's just not repeatable. And, uh, and pitchers find holes in his strike zone and they execute well and they really pound those zones and he is not able to consistently hit for power. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think pretty highly of Jake Rogers. I'm uh, I'm a big fan of him behind the plate for the Tigers. So let's move on to the backup catcher for the year, which is going to be Carson Kelly. Carson Kelly, this past season, playing for the Diamondbacks and the Tigers, had a 206 average, a 278 OBP, and a 287 slug. That was a 0.1 F4 season, saved a lot, obviously, by his defense. That is uh, pretty solid for him. We'll talk about that, obviously, in a second. But uh, offensively, this was a disaster of a season for Carson Kelly. We can just call it what it is. Uh, he had a 565 OPS. This past season, again, 206 average, just hit two home runs. 
Um, this is a guy who I think if you look at the righty-lefty platoons, you know, last year against lefties for the Diamondbacks, he hit really well uh, for the Detroit Tigers. 650 OPS was better than his OPS against righties. Also a very small sample size, which I think is worth pointing out as well. But this is a guy who before has had an OPS over 800 across the full season. Now that's like pre-COVID, right? It feels like a, a lifetime ago that, uh, you know, 2018, 2019 seasons feel like ages ago at this point. Um, but even in 2021, he had a 754 OPS and 13 home runs. I think in a perfect world, you're talking about Carson Kelly playing sound defense, managing and calling games well. Uh, maybe there's a certain pitcher on there that really likes throwing to Kelly more than Rodgers, and he can just kind of be like this guy's catcher. Um, but it, really a versatile catcher who knows the bullpen, who knows the rotation, calls a good game, isn't a liability behind the plate, which he is not. And I think that's important to bring up. For a guy who is going to be not even, again, not the 1B catcher. He is the backup catcher. He, right, like if both of them are healthy, Carson Kelly will not play in even 80 or 70 baseball games. Um, so he he is firmly the backup catcher here. Um, so out of a backup catcher, I'm not I'm not begging for crazy offense. I, I think for backup catcher, the, much more of the value is going to come from his ability to call games and play just good defense behind the dish. Now his uh, arm was well above average last year. He was in the top quarter of the league and caught stealing above average. Again, baseball savant stat for you. Um, a league average framer, been kind of up and down throughout his career, pretty solid framer, um, good blocker, right? Slightly above average around league average. At, uh, just defensively, he's a he's a good, slightly plus defensive catcher. That's why despite having an OPS of sub 600 uh, last season, or what was it? 565 is just astronomically low. He still was a positive F4 because he is a plus contributor defensively. So that I think is really the biggest thing for him. Um, I would also like to see him. He doesn't chase out of the zone, but he also didn't walk a ton. He was at a slightly above league average clip, 9.3%. This is also, again, a very small sample size. Uh, if we go back to 2022, which is a little bit of a bigger sample size, he's around a league average walk guy. Uh, if we go to 2021, which again was the year that he had a 754 OPS, that's golden. That's He is a 12.3% walk rate. That's top 13% in baseball. So what I am asking for out of Carson Kelly is not for him to turn back the clock and be all-star, you know, like, oh my goodness, this guy might be the catcher of the future for the Diamondbacks and, and be this perennial all-star catcher. That, that ship has sailed, and, and he doesn't need it to be an effective option and, and an effective use of a roster spot for this baseball team. Give me the plus defense. Give me good game calling, which matters a lot. And, and I was very, very pleased with what I saw out of him from all of that uh, in his short stint with the Tigers this past year. I, I, all the pitchers raved about him. Fetter had good things to say. Hinch had good things to say. Um, and, and from what I saw, I didn't have any huge issues with the game calling. So I'm fine there. Offensively is my question. And my quest, big question is, I asked this earlier in the week, How? what is what is the leash, right? We had the Eric Haas conversation where there was that weird stat that somebody threw out there at some point about, you know, the, the Tigers like win games when Eric Haas is catching, even though he's got like a 550 OPS or whatever it was. So my question is, what is the justifiable benchmark here? 
I, I, you know, he's not a gold glove defender back there. He's above average, which is all I need him to be. But he, this isn't, you know, this isn't Russell Martin walking through that door. Um, so if if he has a 565 OPS again, how long do we ride with him before it's Dylan Dingler time? I think it's a few months. I don't think it's going to be quick. Again, this isn't even a righty-lefty platoon uh, because Carson Kelly presumably is also going to be better against lefties as Jake Rogers is. Uh, and, and he, again, 515. You can go year by year. There's not any really year where he was incredible against righties. There's actually plenty of years where he was not very good against lefties either. Um, in 2021, crushed lefties, didn't do well against righties, played against both. 2019, his really good year, destroyed lefties, wasn't a 708 OPS against, uh, OPS against righties. I'd gladly take that, obviously. Um, but I, I think if his OPS is even in the mid-600s, he's going to stick. And if he stays healthy and is good behind the plate, et cetera, he'll stick and be the catcher. Uh, the backup catcher for this team throughout the year, uh, right? I, I think once you start creeping into that, like, oh my goodness, he's got a six ten OPS, he's got a six oh five. Oh, it's at five ninety. That's when the Dylan Dingler conversation is going to start chirping. But for a guy that you're only going to play once a series, right? If everything goes well, maybe not even that, depending on what the series is and the matchups for it. Um, I, I, if he's even in the mid six hundreds OPS wise, gives you a little bit of pop. Maybe gets the walk numbers back to a respectable amount. Um, I, I think that uh, he's going to stick. I also think the upside with Kelly is worth giving him the job out of camp. Uh, I don't want to make this sound like I just have no faith in the dude. This is a guy who's still only 29 and at one point was one of the the like bright young catchers of the league and does have years under his belt. Not too long ago. Again, a 754 OPS two years, two seasons ago. Well, three seasons removed now, 2021. So um, I, I think that there is some pop in there. There is some walk potential. I don't expect him to ever hit for a really good batting average. Uh, that's just going to be a theme throughout our catching room, which I, I can live with. I'm not expecting great offense out of catcher. We'll get that other places. Um, but if he can kind of be, really, there's some similarities there to Jake Rogers. If he can be Jake Rogers light behind the dish there, then perfect. You're not missing a beat. You're taking a, a slight bump back in in production offensively and and defensively probably but he gives you a similar profile, then Bob's your uncle. That's going to be a pretty good year. Dylan Dingler is what we'll end the show on. Uh, last season, Dylan Dingler in AAA for Toledo played in a 29 games uh, for AAA, ended the season there, had a 202 average and a 650 OPS. So for the people that are really clamoring, like it needs to be Dylan Dingler season now, no. Uh, he needs to start off the season in the minors. I'm I'm very set on that. Personally, uh, in Double A Erie in 51 games, he had an 8.33 OPS, uh, good walk numbers, relatively low K numbers, and a batting average over 250. That's uh, that is is beautiful, right? I'm not expecting him to ever be a mid 800s OPS hitter at the major league level. Um, we can talk more about you know my opinion of Dingler long term when we do kind of our our preseason prospect rankings uh, and, and compare and contrast, you know, pipeline will release their top 30. So we'll, we, this is not the last time if you want like a really long in depth Dingler conversation, we'll have that. This is more just like in a vacuum, what I expect out of him in 2024. Um, I, uh, I think we will see him in 2024, which is exciting. Two thumbs up. Uh, the odds of both Kelly and, and Rogers is, is not going anywhere. Even if he struggles, he's, he's going to be, you know, get a lot of games under his belt, but the odds of, of both of those guys 
doing really, really well and reaching closer to their ceilings and staying 100% healthy all year, I think is slim. Um, and more so just on the injury side of things because it's catcher than it is like I'm worried about either of their production being catastrophically bad. Um, so I, I think that you will, you know, Carson Kelly finds himself on a 10-day IL. Guess what? There's only one other catcher on the entire 40-man. So there is no other option. If anything happens to those two guys, Rodgers or uh, or um, or Carson Kelly, it is Dylan Dingler. That is the only option. He's the only other catcher on the 40-man roster. Um, all I'm really expecting out of him, if he does make the majors, is to just play sound defense and not be a liability at the plate. I know that's a super low bar, and people want me to come on here and be like, oh, well, you know, he needs to have a, uh, like, show the pop or, or you know, hit decently well, whatever. Just don't look overwhelmed and don't, don't be, you know, drowning is really all I'm asking for. Just play sound defense is what I much more care about out of our third string catcher. And, uh, and be good enough offensively to justify throwing you out there however long you have to. Um, I think the, the if we're talking about overall catching room, best case scenario is everybody stays healthy, obviously. Jake Rogers hits that higher end. Carson Kelly kind of finds that higher end I was talking about with him. They both are good game callers and the pitching staff loves them. And Dylan Dingler really proves that next year, Carson Kelly can kind of hand the baton off to Dylan Dingler and be the backup catcher of the future. That's best case scenario. Worst case scenario is, uh, I know this is kind of a cheap kind of way out, but Jake Rogers getting hurt is really worst case. That That is that is scary um, because then you have unproven offense in your entire catching room with also half of your catchers never having caught Major League Baseball games not having worked with several of these dudes, not all. Dylan Dingler has caught some of the t- current Tigers pitchers in the minors, but you know a lot of new faces in that in that pitching rotation as well. So that would be the scariest scenario for me is if Jake Rogers missed significant amount of time. But overall, we'll end the show on my overall expectations for everybody and for the catching room. I expect Jake Rogers to have a pretty darn good year. Uh, obviously, in 2021. Right, I got the year right. Yeah, he didn't play in 2022. In 2021, he was a one-war catcher in just 30 games. Uh, And then in 2023, I don't even know what year it is. In 2023, had a 2.2-war season in 107 games. Uh, I could fully be pleased and uh, anticipate and expect him to have a, a war of pushing three. I think if he's a three-win catcher and plays in over 100 games, uh, that that is a a very two-thumbs-up season. I have extended my vote of confidence in him going forward for the next couple of years. I think that he will have proven that his style and his profile is sustainable despite its flaws. And uh, again, if you're mad about me, I, you know, I had somebody last year where I said uh, at one point Jake Rogers was hitting about 225, and I said his, his average isn't awful is what I said. And somebody in the comments got really mad at me and was like, 225 is an awful average, whatever. And and again, everybody interprets interprets the game of baseball differently, which is why I love it so freaking much. So like I, I 100% respect your opinion to feel that way. My thing is, this is catcher, okay? No team in baseball outside of maybe the Orioles and, and maybe the Phillies, Maybe there's a team or two that I'm forgetting. Very few teams in baseball and and spinning across baseball history 
on a can and you you know I'm gonna hear oh well what about like the Reds and the Yankees back in the day etc. There are obviously exceptions. There are teams that leaned on catcher for offensive production, but relatively speaking, on a on a on a uh, a broad scale, especially over the last thirty years, catcher is not a position that teams are going to rely on like your four hitter or your your heart of your lineup catcher hitter rather being a catcher. So if you can get this level of production and you can bump up the walks and get that OPS into the 760s or 70s, I am going to be beyond thrilled with how this catching uh, room is going to look going forward. Um, As far as Carson Kelly goes, again, mid-600s OPS and you're good defensively is fine by me, brother, right? That's more than fine by me. Uh, unless Jake Rogers get hurt that then I'm going to start kind of sweating a little bit more on that level of production consistently. Um, but that would be more than fine by me. And these are super high bars, right? I'm, I'm talking realistic expectations, uh, and, and kind of what I want to see out of these guys. Dingler, what your number is called. Don't look overwhelmed. I don't think that any of that is unrealistic. I don't think that's like the top end, you know, like this is, uh, this is the 80th percentile expectations, but I also don't think that uh, that this is impossible or like too. I don't think that this is too tame either. I think that these are noticeable improvements from what all three of these guys gave us last year, um, while also kind of remaining in the ballpark with uh, with their profiles and such. Okay, longer episodes, but we knocked out three players all in one. It's also a Friday. Enjoy yourself. We'll go out with uh, with a little bit of a longer show. All right. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in. Every day, we will be back on Monday with a mailbag episode. Be sure to ask all of your questions. Um, yeah, like I said, Jakey Rogers back to, well, back to, if he can be around a three-war catcher, Carson Kelly can be, I don't know, half a win to a win, given the amount of games that he's likely going to play. I will gladly take that. And Dylan Dingler just not looking completely overwhelmed by being a major leaguer when his number is called. That's three for three for me, baby. I, I, I again, we, we talked about the offense. I don't want to reiterate myself too much here because we're already pushing 40 minutes. Goodness. But uh, I, I really am going to care much more about the uh, – we talked about the offense, but I, I really am going to care a lot about the game calling, the comfortability from the pitchers to throw to these guys and the defense behind the plate um, significantly more because that's where a lot of their value is going to come. Uh, and if they can sprinkle in – those offensive bars that I have put out there for them, um, then that is just icing on the cake and I'm going to be thrilled. So that's what I'm expecting out of those three guys. That is my bar for, you know, this is what I want to see, what I want to see out of you in 2024. All right. Peace and love going to therapy's dope. I'll catch you on Monday for a mailbag, baby. Go Tigers. Oh, also let me know what you think about the catching room. Obviously, everyone's going to ask questions, but like, let me know how y'all feel about the catchers as well. All right, go Tigers.